0: Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Sky, and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Hong Dan, a Vietnamese social entrepreneur and founder of Hopebox. Hong, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Emma. Thank you so much for your kind invitation. So tell me, what was it
0: like growing up in Vietnam? What was your childhood like?
1: So, um, I, was, um, I was born in a very small village in the Northwest of Vietnam. Um, it was very, very poor back then and it was very unequal. Uh, so it's like you would never saw a girl could finish uh, high school. Uh, so the year for us is year seven. That's, that is the limit for the standard of education for girls, usually. Um, as a girl, as a small child, I love reading and I always dreamed to become a teacher. Um, so my mom was a single mom, so she couldn't afford for uh, my tuition fees and my brothers and my sisters. So, um, when I finished uh, year seven, I had to make a decision to leave school and um, that was a very, very hard, um, heartbreaking decision and I knew that my mom was very sad as well. Um, that I couldn't, I couldn't make my dreams come true. Uh, so what we did was basically working on the farm. We live on the, you know, the harvest seasons um, when we get rice and, and stuff, but we had no other income. So life back then was, was tough and was very, very basic.
0: So what happened? What did you do?
1: So when, um, when, I, when I finished school, when I left left school, how I, old you left school then? I was only 12 years old. 12 um, years old you left school. Yeah, and because I love school, so I asked my brother to homeschooling for me. Um, he did it for the first semester of year age, but then he also was very busy with his school. And, you know, as a 14-year-old boy, he couldn't do more. Um, six months later, I had to leave the, the countryside and move to Hanoi, the capital city of Vietnam. I myself had never left the, the the village. I had no ideas about about living in the country, in the city. I had no friends. I knew no one. So my mom was so brave. She sent me with someone that we we never knew to the capital city, and I became a babysitter. And I looked after a four months old uh, four months old baby boy. I was very uh, little back then. I was very very small. And I still remember the first day I came to Hanoi. The families that had me, they wanted to weight me, so I was only twenty-seven kilo uh, at that time. So I was oh my goodness, That's- and and one hundred and thirty centimeters. So I was like a baby myself, looking after another baby, and earned a mega income of six dollars per month, working from six a.m. to twelve a.m. the next day and send all of that money back home to support my mom. So he was very sick at that time. So he got kidney infections, he got a lot of health issues. So I did it for four years, moving around families. So I look after the boys and then he grown up, he, he was a bit older I moved to other families, always working from 6 a.m. to 12 a.m. the next day uh, and live in families and live in the, the families. Um, but I somehow always dreamed of going back to school and I didn't pick, couldn't figure out how. Um, but as a culture of things, girls in Vietnam back then, if we got to 16, 17, we are asked to go back to the countryside, get married, have kids and work on the farms. And during my childhood life, I could see violence, I could see inequality, I could see poverty, like extreme poverty. So I was really frightened by thinking of going back to, to the countryside. And uh, I still had that burning dreams of going back to school. I tried my best to always read books and things like that. And um, one day I found out that I could actually go back to school in the city. Uh, so there was a, an informal education system that I could do at night. Um, so I could continue studying. So I uh, went back to school. And I asked the families that I live with and work for to spend, you know, for me to spend time on studying. After two months, they kind of wasn't very happy about, about me spending time on studying. So they kicked, me out of their, they kicked me out of their families during Christmas. And it was a cold winter day. Uh, it was dark. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know where to go. I didn't have a lot of money. I took my bicycle and and I rode around the city and I got really lost. But by the chance of getting lost, I knew I met a woman who has a staircase, and she says that just come and live there, and you can pay less money. Um, and that area was like outside of Hanoi is outside of the capital city. is very basic. It's very it's still very poor. Considered as a an area for you know a lot of people that has Committed to crime, have drugs, and things like that. So I was sleeping under the staircase thinking what I should do next. I had a choice whether to stay back and make my dream come true. And to a lot of people, it sounds very crazy. No one would believe that I, I attended that education and could go to universities. Um, or I could make a decision to come back to the countryside. And be like any other women in the rest in in the village. So I decided that wasn't my life. I decided to stay back in Hanoi. So I spent time on seeking for for jobs, and I got cheated very badly. I got I lost all my money, all my savings. Um, so I didn't know where to go. At, at that time, I was like, as a seven, eighteen years old girl living in that big cities in very dangerous areas. Um, I started thinking about making, cooking sticky rice. So I loved cooking. So I woke up every single day. I woke up at 2 a.m., cooked sticky rice, sold it on the street. And where I sold the sticky rice, it was actually at the entrance of a school. So every day I looked at the school and I was like, I wish I could go there. Um, So I did it. And during the day, I did cleaning, I went to the market to work for other people, I made cake in the afternoon and went to, um, and sold it on the street, and went to school at night, came back, cake again on the street, until 2 a.m. I don't know how I I handle it, but I managed to have only two hours sleep every single day. Um, And life back then was... Was very great, I must say. Like I don't know where I until now, I don't know where I got that energy from, because my family also didn't want me to stay in Hanoi. Um, but now, reflected back, I knew that the only one thing that kept me going at that time was education, because I wanted to to end the cycle of poverty, and I wanted to make my 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 mom's life better. I wanted to help my brother and my sister remain at school. So I always had that belief in education. and uh, I just continued to do it for two years, um, and it was it was very it was very crazy. I just it, looking back, it was very crazy. But how did you manage to escape from the streets of Vietnam? So basically, most of my time was living on the street, like except two hours living under sleeping under the staircase. I was literally was always on the street. And um, one night, uh, I rode my bicycle with my classmate from from the informal uh, schools that I met. And she was the one who always had to lend me money to survive. And she said to me, you can't do this. You can't continue to do this. This is way too dangerous. So she said to me, let's go and check out and apply to KOTO. And it didn't take me a second to her to, to say no. I said to her like "What is Koto?" So KOTO is the first social enterprise in Vietnam that provides a two years' education, vocational training, English, life skills, full boarding, to street and disadvantaged youth in Vietnam. But at that time, I didn't get the full story, so I only knew that they help us and, and, and we can get free education. But I didn't. I didn't trust them. I was like, "This is too good to be true," and I had no hope for anyone in anyone that I met. So you know, when you when you didn't meet any one kind, you kind of like, "How can I, I believe this is true?" So I didn't. I didn't. I was like, "No, I'm not going to do it." I don't know if they will cheat all my money again. So two months later, I it was in in December, and it was very cold winter. I don't know where to go like at that time it was like I lose all my hope and um and I asked my friends can you give me the address I need to check them out first <laughs> so I was carefully riding my bicycle saw that signage and I stepped back and I was just just took a deep uh, deep breath so the minute I came in and that how my life changed I met a An admin person and she was so kind, so friendly. I think that was the first time I met someone who was so friendly to me, and um, she guided me the process of applications. I talked to my mom and she said that her first reaction was like, "No, don't go because you never know you might might ended up being trafficked to China." Uh, So that was the context and the situation at that time. Like my mom always worried about me being trafficked to to China. Uh, my brother says that this is too good to be true. I don't think if they have this is something true, they would. The people that work there would take their relatives there. You know, there is no chance. Don't don't take your risk. So I didn't talk to them again. I just quietly applied. So when I was selected to be a trainee at Koto, I study hospitality, um, vocational hospitality, English, life skills, and then. I study at night as well. I study high school. So I continued to do it when I when I did my uh, training at, at Koto. And that's how my life changed. It wasn't just about education or, or an opportunities, but but a chance for me to develop my self-esteem. Uh, I spoke zero English as that back then, 20 years old. I started doing my English when I was 20 years old. I was very low self-esteem. Like I was crying all the time. I couldn't talk with strangers. Uh, It was really hard for me to be in any conversations, Um, and it was always very defensive. Um, But that how my life transformed just after eighteen months with with Koto, and then I got a job in the five-star hotel. So you could compare from living and working on the street to being working. In the Five star Hotel, it's kind of like a totally different world to me.
0: It's an amazing story. And you went on to establish your own social enterprise, Hope Box, which provides assistance to women who have experienced domestic violence. What
1: motivated you to focus on this issue? So, I mean, when I, um, when I, uh, I, I didn't uh, go through any formal education, like high, high school or, um, or universities in Vietnam, so I had no idea about how business worked. <laughs> I worked as a waitress in the five-star hotel, and then I came back to, the, to Koto to work for them. So I, inspired, I was inspired a lot by, by my ex-boss uh, as a social entrepreneur. And then I got an opportunity to go to Australia um, but my dream was always to come back after my studying, come back to work for, for Koto. I had no idea about running a business or, uh, or doing any kind of business. I, I'm not, I knew I'm not good at that. So I didn't want to take that, that risk. Um, but during my time in Australia, I, when I was doing my Master of Entrepreneurship and Innovations, my sister, I found out that my sister was a victim of domestic violence. And she was like, she, she got bitten very badly. And I helped her, I rescued her overnight. Um, but then she continued to go back to her husband. So I talked to a lot of friends and I continued to study about social enterprise in Australia. I involved in a lot of activities and I knew that their system is so much better. Um, and when I came back to Vietnam to work for Koto, I realized that so many women in Vietnam, this is a topic that no one, not many people talk about. And there was no support at all whatsoever. Uh, and I could learn from my family. How much is it in Vietnam? What
0: percent of women suffer from domestic violence in Vietnam? So, from a
1: recent survey, 63% of our women are experiencing domestic violence or gender-based violence. 63. And I think it's even it's even higher. Like where I, where I came from in the village until now, every time I come back, I could see like all my cousins, all my... Um, Step sisters, all my others uh, people in the village, most of them got domestic violence. So if we do a survey, I think it's a lot more. Um, there is no, there there is one shelter in the whole city of Hanoi. So I I I ask myself, what kind of values I'm supporting? I'm supporting the education for under communities. I sub, I support women's economic empowerment, and I reflect that. I supported my sister a lot financially and consulting. She couldn't get away. So imagine someone who never gets that kind of support. It could be so hard for them. And there were so many stigmas, so many social norms, so, uh, face values for the families that they don't want to, their, their uh, children to, to really get divorced. Um, and I decided to do something about it. I wanted to make my community better. Um, I don't want the next generations, the kids that has to to suffer domestic violence, become the vi- the abuse, abuser. So um, I want to break that cycle, and that's how I started hope house that provide um, vocational training or six month training for women who are victims of domestic violence, who are at risk as well. Like we want to do prevention, so they study a six month of pastry baking, they do um, communication. Passionate, um, compassionate education, life skills, um, and trauma healing. So after that six months, they can go to hotel and restaurant to work or bakery. Someone would e- even want to, um, to open their own vendors, so we support them with that. And we have a kitchen, um, a production kitchen, where we'll, we produce pastry, we produce uh, cookies and merchandise, and we pack it as a uh, corporate gift box. So we sell it like to a lot of customers, like um, Meta, Vietnam Airlines, uh, Uniqlo. So we work a lot with corporates to not just only sell our products, but also engage the community in this courts so they understand and having more awareness about these big issues that hasn't been spoken wisely. Uh, so that's how I'm doing now.
0: That's an amazing story, Hong. That's absolutely amazing. Here you are today speaking fluent English at Yale <laughs> University. <laughs> so what's your
1: dream for the future? Um, my dream for the future is to expand Hope Pops to different cities of Vietnam to have uh, to scale scale up the models to make it sustainable. That's the first strategy. Is my dream is to have my sister or some other women who were in the in the position of a victims um, over victims, now can become the CEO of Hopebox. That's my dreams. Um, so my sister, after six months working for for Hopebox, she uh, got divorced. She is now having a very good life. She earned money. She she said to me all the time, like, I feel like I become a different person. But for me, I saw her as my sister was year before married. Uh, so that version is back um and she is now the operation manager of hope house um so that's one of the dreams that i always wanted to pass this over to somebody that get benefit from the program and and in the future growing more seeds of hope and leading the organization that's my dream (laughs) oh that is an amazing dream and
0: i wish you all the best for the future
1: thank you so much emma